Go ahead and take out your Bibles if you would. We're going to be in John chapter 8. Tonight we're going to be talking about the voice within. Any of you know this little guy on here? What's his name? Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket, right? What's he say? That's right. We're talking about the, the voice within. Is anyone here tonight dealing with voices in your head? Raise your hand. Uh, safety team, please come <laughs> sit right here. Uh, listen, uh, we're not actually talking about voices in your head like that, though if you are having voices in your head, uh, we watch uh, TV from time to time, and you probably do as well. And um, we find that when we're watching TV, uh, we will see these weird commercials for prescription medication. Anybody there? Uh, you see them, and they're, they're really weird because uh, for, for things, uh, mental issues, uh, you know, uh, stop smoking, and uh, they, there's, there's this prescription medication to fix your problem, right? Um, but they always have these weird side effects every time. Uh, it's like, we'll help you uh, with the voices in your head or whatever's going on, but you're going to have side effects like constipation, dizziness, blurred vision, nausea, vomiting. Uh, one, I, I, I remember occasional schizophrenia. You know, what's, man, what we're dealing with? Uh, possible coma or even death, right? That, they say it all the time, and we just, we think it's funny to watch the commercials and hear what's gonna, what they're going to say. Like, I mean, maybe smoking's better for you than this drug that, that you're dealing with. Um, but, but all kidding aside, uh, tonight we're going to speak of a voice that is within you that the Bible talks about called the conscience. And uh, we're going to see that with the conscience, uh, it's not like a disease. If you defile your conscience, if you have a, 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 a dirtied conscience or a, a guilty conscience, there's no medication that you can take for your conscience. And we're going to talk about how to deal with that tonight. John chapter 8, uh, we are going to start reading. Uh, in verse number 1, the Bible says that Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. Uh, so this would be, uh, if you just want to picture your normal Sunday sermon, okay? He's, he's there, he's in the temple, uh, people are sitting down. It seems to be a normal time. Jesus is teaching, but something crazy is going to happen, something that's not normal in a church service. Uh, for it to happen here would just be be out of control. Uh, but in, in John chapter 8, listen to what happens. It says, uh, verse 3, this, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So uh, Jesus here, he's teaching, and uh, all of a sudden these religious people that are known to be religious bring a woman in, and she has just got her sin right in front of everybody, okay? She can't hide it. There's nothing to hide. And uh, she's cast right there in front of Jesus. Jesus, the law says, stone her. What are you going to do? Uh, and Jesus, uh, he, he gets down on the ground and he starts to write on the ground with his finger, okay? Does anyone know what he wrote? No, no we don't know what he wrote, okay? We don't know. It doesn't say what he wrote. Uh, but l listen and see what happens. It may give some indication here. Uh, verse uh, 
number seven, the Bible says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down. He wrote on the ground. Listen to this. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, uh, we're not going to, I'm not going to preach through the story of this awesome forgiveness that Jesus offers to the woman. Uh, But I want you to see, uh, I want to narrow in. Jesus wrote on the ground and he wrote, he didn't speak to them, he just wrote something, but there's a really interesting phrase that's used in verse 9. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. Uh, in this passage, we see that these men are hearing a voice. And the voice is the voice within, and the voice is their conscience. Uh, the word in the Bible here says they were convicted. They were convicted. Uh, convicted means to be declared guilty. There was a voice in their head that in response to whatever it was that he had written was speaking to them saying, you are guilty. Has anyone ever heard that voice before? A guilty conscience. Anyone here? Anyone in here lying now? Now you have a guilty conscience for lying. Okay, listen, we all have experienced a guilty conscience, all right? Uh, These men heard their conscience declare to them they were guilty And they could no longer cast a stone because Jesus said, only if you're without sin can you cast a stone. Um, Here's what I want to ask you to do. For the next few minutes, I want you to ask the question, what is your conscience telling you? What is your conscience telling you? Um, I want you to listen to the voices in your head, or the voice, just the one. If you have voices, um, by all means, Pastor Dave can relate to you, so... Uh, Come up here and get some counseling after service. Uh, What is your conscience telling you? Um, See, we're we're in the new year. Anyone love a new year? Love a new year? Uh, Last year is over. That's a good thing. Uh, You know, sometimes there's some things we miss about last year. But uh, the one thing uh, that that I I see about the new year, it's great because you can start over. You get going. And I love Pastor Dave's message last week because... Uh, there are strongholds. Uh, if you missed last week, there are things probably that have been set up in your life by Satan, a stronghold that's really was from last year, and it's like bugging you this year, okay? And uh, the same thing with the past. Uh, there's probably, uh, if it's just for one person here I'm speaking to, there's probably many of you or multiple that there's something from last year, something in your past that for some reason is messing up a perfectly good day today. Uh, today was a new day, right? The Bible says God's mercies are new every day. Anyone like that? You you love that. Love new mercies every day, new grace every day, blank slate. But for some reason, every day you have a blank slate that's affected by the past and it shouldn't be happening. Uh, There's a way to solve that problem. You have a conscience that's guilty by something from the past. And so tonight uh, is the night to clear your conscience, okay? We're going to get there. Uh, We're going to kind of go on a journey through the Bible together. And by the end, I'm going to ask you to respond. And if you've got something and God is showing you something, I'm going to ask you to deal with it, okay? 
Can we go there together? I won't even ask you to stand up here and tell what it was, but I'm going to ask you and show you how you can get there and deal with it. So I feel like I'm talking 100 miles an hour. Let's just keep it going, okay? Uh, so I, uh, we all know our conscience well. Our conscience is, uh, I want to tell you, a gift from God. You say, how can it be a gift? It just, guilt is a gift? What? Uh, it is a gift from God. See, because your conscience is there to lead you to God's blessings. Uh, your conscience, it's been called a moral compass. It, it guides you, it directs you. Uh, we know about the conscience from Romans chapter 2, verse 15, um, that it's, it's in every, everybody has a conscience. It's not something that saved people have only. It's not exclusive to a Christian, but everyone has a conscience. Now, Christians get this great thing. We have a, uh, a redeemed soul, a spirit that's alive, and our conscience can be formed by the Word of God. But everyone has a conscience, and it's where God's law has been written in our hearts, the, the what is right and what is wrong. Um, as we talk tonight, I want you to think of your conscience, because it's hard. You can't see it. You can't touch it. I don't know if you could draw a picture of it. That'd be pretty cool. I don't know what it would look like. But um, your conscience has been, uh, it's been described as the megaphone of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, the megaphone of the Holy Spirit. If, uh, the Holy Spirit will use your conscience to speak to you. See, it's, it's the person or the voice within that whispers in your ear when you're about to take something that's not yours and it says, hey, that's not yours. That's your conscience, okay? Uh, you maybe thought that was your mom's voice in your head. Uh, that's what you remember from your mom, but it's your conscience, okay? Uh, when, you, when you look at something lustfully, uh, it's your conscience that tells you, no, stop, that's not right. Don't do that. When you tell your spouse or you tell your coworker or your friend or anyone uh, that little white lie, you just didn't tell the full truth, and you get that, oh, feeling. That's your conscience. Does everyone get an idea of what your conscience is? You can kind of recognize what it is. Um, if you've ever felt guilt before, it is a result of you violating your conscience. So here's where I want to go. I want to do a, a short study of the conscience in Scripture. It's described in four different ways, and we're going to get through all four. Can we do that? What time is it? 621. Let's go. Here we go. Number one, the good or the pure conscience. We're going to talk about the good or the pure conscience. I'm going to give you a definition of each one of these types of conscience described in the Bible. I want to support it with scripture and I want you to get a good understanding because by the end of the night, if you understand what your conscience is and what's happening to it, you can know from the Bible how to deal with it. Okay. So uh, the good or pure conscience is defined as a pure mind whereby all wrongs are confessed and repented of, all restitution is made, and nothing is left undone. To have a good or pure conscience means your mind is pure whereby all wrongs are confessed or repented of, all restitution is made, and nothing is left undone. Pure conscience. Uh, the Bible says a lot about this pure conscience. The main verse that I want to point out to you is Acts 24, verse 16. Uh, you can turn there. This is a verse to underline and memorize. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he issues a statement of something that he makes a habit of, okay? And if the Apostle Paul makes a habit of something, it's a good habit maybe we should try and uh, imitate as well. He says, Acts 24, 16, and herein... 
do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Always have a conscience that's void of offense toward God and void of offense toward men. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 says this, Now the end of the commandment is charity or love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned or pure faith. 1 Timothy 1.19, the Bible says, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Again, uh, in 1 Timothy 3, says, Holding the mystery of faith and a pure conscience. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Hebrews 13, verse 18, the Bible says, Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 describes how we ought to behave as Christians. It says, but sanctify or set apart the Lord in your heart, the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So I want to ask you, uh, we obviously can see that in Scripture, to the Apostle Paul, uh, to others, that a conscience is something that, a clear conscience, a good conscience, this pure conscience is something that ought to be part of the daily walk of a Christian. Let me, let me read the definition again. All wrongs confessed and repented of, all restitution is made, and nothing is left undone. When was the last time you had a pure conscience? Do you have a pure conscience? Is there anything currently between you and God? When you go to pray, is there that one thing that flashes up before your eyes that you think, man, I, I, I can't fully ask in confidence for this thing because of... Okay? Is there something that uh, is keeping you from a relationship with somebody in this church? Is there something that uh, a wrong you've done to them or something that uh, a lie you've told them or something that's between you and God or between you and another person? Do you have a pure conscience? I want to encourage you because that's a high standard to have, don't you think? Yeah, it is, but it's possible. Okay? Keeping a pure conscience is possible. That's what uh, the Apostle Paul was saying. If, uh, if God tells you to do it, then God will supply the strength and the grace to allow you. And he said uh, that he always exercised himself to have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So I want to encourage you that you can have a pure conscience. Yeah, realize, the Apostle Paul didn't say there weren't times when he felt guilty. He didn't say there weren't times where he sinned. He actually said that uh, every time he wanted to do right, there was always sin present with him. But for some reason, in some way, uh, he exercised himself to keep a pure conscience. That would mean that he immediately would go and he immediately would make it right. So keeping a pure conscience is possible. I also want you to see that keeping a pure conscience should be your goal. 
I don't know if I need to say that, but I just need to get that out there. If you haven't had any goals for the new year, here's, here's one. I'll just give it to you. The goal to have a pure conscience. Nothing between you and God, nothing between you and anyone else. The third thing I want you to see about this good conscience is that keeping a, a pure, a good conscience requires exercise. All right. Who in here? I hear there's a Planet Fitness opening in Canal Winchester. Is anybody planning on getting a membership there? Come on, raise your hand higher. Anybody? Hey, we got one. All right, if, if you're not, uh, if you feel like, you know, your clothes are fitting a little too tight, just so you know, it's $1 down, $10 per month. So, uh, but listen, uh, exercise. Maybe, maybe we don't because we don't like that word exercise, right? It requires work. It's like doing something that's not natural, uh, you know, uh, to get yourself up in the morning and uh, go run or to go uh, walk or to lift weights or whatever. The, this, it, it, sweating is not comfortable. It's just not. It's not. I mean, that's why we have air conditioning. That's why, why we have these comforts. But he says that he exercises himself. He makes it a regular practice, a habit. He works hard to have a pure conscience. And it's something that's got to be worked at over and over and over again. Uh, the practice of uh, what we'll see is repenting and confessing. It's something we ought to work at. So the first type we see, the pure, the good conscience. Second type of conscience in the scripture I want us to talk about very shortly, but it's important to note, is the weak conscience. Okay? Uh, flipping your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 the weak conscience. What is that all about? Here's the definition of a weak conscience. A weak conscience is a conscience whose boundaries are not defined by the truth. Uh, let me explain. We're going to actually have to read this for you to understand what's going on. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. The Bible says, Now as touching things offered unto idols... We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven and earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge. All right, let me explain what's happening here because you could get really confused. So he says, we're going to talk about a subject. It's the subject of whether or not now, this is something you probably don't ever deal with, but in, in this, this time it was. The subject of, should I eat meat? Should I eat that nice steak that was offered to an idol? That was a question people dealt with. Some people thought, well, yeah, it's a good steak. And some people thought, no, I shouldn't. And, and here's the point. Here's what he's saying. He said, listen, um, in verse number four, he said, we know that an idol is nothing. How many gods are there? One. Yeah, we are number one. Uh, there's only one. There's only one God. So if you offer meat to an idol, the truth is 
it's just a statue or an image or a picture. It's not anything real. So you're offering something to something that's not real. It's not a, so that's the thinking there. We know that they aren't real gods. And so, hey, let's eat the meat, right? It's good meat. But he says here in verse 7, how be it this knowledge that they're not real gods and it's not in every person. He says, how be it there's not in every man, verse 7, that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So their conscience being weak is defiled, but meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. You know, if you eat the steak, you don't eat the steak, hey, you're not any better, you're not any worse. You know, no sweat off my back on that one. Uh, Look in verse 9. But take heed, Lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. All right. Anyone confused? Let me explain. Um, It's not a... Meat offered to idol is still meat. It's, It's taken from the same you know, animal as the meat that wasn't offered, okay? It's not anything worse. But there are some people who has a conscience, and their conscience is uh, it's defined by something besides what's true, all right? To their conscience, it is wrong to eat of that meat, though there's nothing really that says you can't eat it. It's uh, it just, but, but when they eat it, they feel guilty. You follow me? For some people in the church, there are certain things that you do, and it's, it's called Christian liberty, and you do it, and hey, uh, it's, it's okay for you, and it doesn't, you don't get a guilty conscience for doing it. There's nothing in the scripture that says you can't do it, but when they do it, they feel guilty. Okay, this is the subject of Christian liberty, uh, but the idea is that I don't want to do something that'll cause someone else to feel like their conscience is defiled. You with me? Uh, the, the, the point I want to make here, there's a lot, this could be its own message, but the point I want to make is that God considers it important not to have a defiled conscience. So important that I should be careful that you don't defile your conscience. You follow me? Um, for example, and I want to give one specific example uh, that, that is uh, not found in uh, one, one of these uh, liberty things. So some people that I know, I have friends that won't eat in a restaurant that has a bar in the restaurant, okay? Um, there's, it's, not re, it's not referenced in, in Scripture. It, it, you know, Applebee's, uh, it's not in here. Um, it's just not. And so, but some people, because their conscience, uh, they've got such a conviction, they, they, their conscience has been built to say, I'm staying very, very, very far away from alcohol and anything that may look close to alcohol. I'm just going to stay away. If you were to ask them to go to Applebee's with you, they would feel guilty if they went. And so Christian Liberty says, you know what? 
I'm not going to, we're not going to do that. I'm going to watch out for their conscience. Now, that may be something, but that's an example. That may not even be an issue with you or any of your friends, but that's an example of this Christian liberty. But the important thing is, with a weak conscience, uh, it's, it's, it's where its boundaries are not defined by what's in Scripture, okay? Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not in there. It's not out of there. It's just, uh, it's an it's a issue of liberty. But the important thing to remember is, we have to be careful that we never defile or dirty our conscience or call someone else. God considers it so important to have a clean and a pure conscience. So we have our pure conscience. Uh, secondly, we have a weak conscience. Uh, before I move on, though, I do want to say this. Um, with the principle of a weak conscience, your conscience is built. Okay? Um, why would somebody feel guilty doing something that you don't feel guilty about. It's because something was built up in their mind, in their conscience, to say, hey, warning sound, stay away from that. I want to speak to parents because this is important for me. This is, if, if you have children, you have to realize that it's your responsibility to build their conscience. Okay, um, You can define their warning system according to the Scripture. They need to be taught, and they get taught in Awana, and they get taught in Sunday school that lying is wrong. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, and, and their conscience needs to be built up to the point where if they even so tell a smallest, teeniest white lie, their conscience starts going off, and they get that warning sound, and the voice within tells them, oh man, I'm not supposed to do that. You, you understand? It, it's important to build your conscience according to Scripture, especially with your children. It's very important. Let's move on, number three, to uh, what would be probably something we're too familiar with. It is the dirty or the defiled conscience. The dirty or the defiled conscience. Let me give you a definition, okay? The dirty or defiled conscience is a conscience that has been violated in any way, either by a sin against God, sin against another person, or by things left undone, that have yet to be confessed or made right. All right, I'm going to read it one more time. A conscience that's been violated in any way, big, big way, little way, either by a sin against God, sin against another person, or by things left undone that have yet to be confessed or made right. I want, I want, to, I want you to see how it happens. How, what does it look like for your conscience to sound those warning alarms? Uh, turn to 1 Samuel 24. Um, I don't believe that the word conscience, I, I didn't see it in my study, the word conscience isn't used in the Old Testament. It shows up in Paul's writings. But the idea of the conscience is very clear. And I'm going to show you an example of that. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 24. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheepcoats by the way where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. All right, so the picture is 
David is a man on the run with his men, and, and somebody's hunting for his life, and there's this, kind of this clash going, this uh, Saul versus David. And the, the opportune moment falls into David's lap because they're in this cave. I don't know what the cave looks like. I was never there before. Um, if anyone wants to send me on a trip to Israel, I'll go, go check it out for you and tell you what it's all like over there. But David's in this cave, and uh, they don't know he's there. And Saul's there, and Saul's in there taking care of some things, and uh, <laughs> is that funny? That's a nice way to put it. Uh, study that one on your own. Uh, but Saul's in there taking care of some things, and listen to what the Bible says. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto me. It's like, they're just waiting for this day, and all of a sudden, ah, uh, here he is, right in David's hands. What's he going to do? Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily or privately or secretly. Look in verse 5. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. He, he, he committed an action. All of a sudden, ooh, guilty conscience, defiled conscience. His heart smote him, okay? Look what he says. Uh, David says unto his men, verse 6, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Um. David does something that violates his conscience. Uh, he did something that he knew God didn't want him to do. Is there something that you are doing or you have done that's not been taken care of that you knew God didn't want you to do? Because um, you can relate. I know you are. I know you can right now to that idea of your heart. It's, it smote him. It, uh, the voice within was declaring him to be guilty. There were other times that David did this same process of uh, doing something God uh, asked him not to do or he knew God didn't want him to do. He knowingly did wrong. Uh, we know in the scripture David gave into temptation with Bath Bathsheba. We know that he felt this guilt when he murdered Uriah. Uh, and then he um, went to cover it all up. And um, throughout all this, this is the testimony of David. You can, it's just a short snippet in Psalm 53. He said this, David said this, in the midst of all of his sin, he said, my sin is ever before me. Let me put that in the terms of tonight's message. My conscience is guilty, and it keeps telling me I'm guilty, and it keeps telling me I'm guilty, and it's not going away. Every time I go to God, I'm guilty. Every time I'm guilty. And it's not going away. My conscience is defiled. My sin is ever before me. See, once your conscience gets defiled with one small thing, a small lie, a, a small of anything, or one big thing, or multiple things, it will stay defiled until you take the necessary actions to fix it. Let me read you the definition again. A conscience, uh, this this defiled or dirty conscience is a conscience that has been violated in any way, either by sin against God, 
sin against another person, or by things left undone that have yet to be confessed or made right. I want to move on to one more conscience shortly, and then I want to bring it to a close and figure out how we can fix this, okay? If you don't take care of a guilty conscience, it can turn into the fourth kind of conscience. In, in the Bible, it's found just in one verse. It is called the seared conscience. Seared. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1 and 2. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, give, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That word seared, now obviously we know that the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and that is the very word where we get our word cauterized. Cauterized, seared, burned. Uh, It means to be rendered insensitive. Okay, here is the definition of a seared conscience. A seared conscience is a conscience whose warning system is stifled and quenched by consistently ignoring conviction. A conscience whose warning system is stifled and quenched by consistently ignoring conviction. So, um, is there any sin in your life that's just become normal. It's like you live with it. It's like it's kind of your buddy. You keep it in your pocket. Okay? You just something you, you go to, you turn to, and it doesn't bother you anymore. Maybe the first time it bothered you. Maybe the first time you felt so guilty, but you didn't do anything about it. And then you sinned again. And it didn't the warning system wasn't as loud that time. And you sinned again and again and again to the point where your conscience is stifled and it's quenched and it's really not sounding off very loud and, and you can hear a message from Pastor Tony. You can read your Bible and you still have a sin, but it just kind of doesn't bother you anymore. This is the point of a seared conscience. Okay, this is where you're at. In Hosea chapter 12, I love the imagery in the verse. Uh, it says, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Uh, like ground that gets dried up and uh, it's hard And it needs to be tilled. It needs to be broken up. Our hearts can become hardened. Uh, Whether it's bitterness for you, somebody's, you're angry at somebody and you never got that right. And there's something between you and somebody else and it's just gone on and on and on. You may be sitting here with a hard heart tonight that needs to be taken care of. Or lust, or lying, or greed. Every time you get convicted, but you ignore it, you're searing your conscience. And, it, and remember, this is the megaphone of the Holy Spirit. It kind of goes along with the verses of quench not the Spirit, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> in 1984, read, I read about this. I didn't read about it in 1984. I wasn't alive then. 
But in 1984, there was an airlines and a jet had crashed in Spain. The investigators, uh, they studied the accident and they made a very eerie discovery. The black box uh, that records what's going on in the cockpit revealed that several minutes before impact, a shrill computer synthesized voice from the plane's automatic warning system told the crew repeatedly in English, pull up, pull up. The pilot, thinking the system was malfunctioning, snapped, shut up gringo, Spanish, and switched the system off. Minutes later, the plane plowed right into the side of a mountain and everyone on board died. See, this is exactly what our conscience does for us. We're heading for trouble. We're heading for a crash. It wants to put us on the direction of God's blessings, but so many times we say, shut up, and we turn it off, and we ignore it. Many times we look for a medication, like, let's just watch TV and not talk about it. Let's just seek after something else that might soothe my mind. Maybe, I'll, maybe it's eating, maybe it's a drug, maybe it's alcohol. But we turn to these things, and what happens is we don't deal with the issue, and our conscience is seared, and it's seared, and we ignore, and we ignore, and we turn off the warning system, and maybe you're doing that now, and you're headed for a crash. So my question to you is, are you going to ignore it tonight, or are you going to listen to it tonight? So what's our solution? Let's bring it to a close. Uh, I think we can all agree that, man, it sure would be nice to go to bed tonight with a clear conscience. It's nothing between me and anybody else. Nothing between me and God. Nothing I've left undone. Here's two steps that you need to take. Two necessary steps for a clear conscience. Number one is repentance. Repentance. Uh, You don't hear that very much. Repentance. Uh, Pastor Tony, we heard it today. That's good. Uh, we, we, We heard it today. Repentance. What is repentance? You hear about it. Repentance is not simply acknowledging you've done wrong. That would be confession. But repentance goes further than that, okay? Repentance is, is where you acknowledge the wrong, but you do something to make a change about it. You acknowledge it's wrong so much that you're not just going to deal with it and let it go and ignore it again, and you're not just going to try and get out from under the feeling of guilt, but you're deciding to actually do something different, to go in a different direction, to do something about it, to uh, the last week, Pastor Dave talked about uh, breaking down strongholds, and there's a verse that says, and having in a readiness to revenge all such disobedience. It's that, you know, I'm just not going to get these things out of my mind. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to attack the problem with a vengeance. I'm going to thoroughly repent. Repentance. But after repentance is this confession. See, repentance is the Oh, man, Uh, it's not only saying, God, I lied to my friend. It's going to your friend and telling them you lied. It's it's not only saying, God, I've sinned in this way. It's uh, it might be confessing it to a friend or a brother or somebody that you sinned against as well. 
Uh, It's not only saying, God, I've got this addiction or this problem. It is, God, I've got this addiction and this problem that you don't like, and so I'm going to seek counseling. I'm going to go and take an additional step that shows you that I'm serious about this. See, repentance goes first. Repentance is very important, but confession is step number two. Confession is when you agree with God about whatever is defiling your conscience. It's when you say, God, it wasn't just a white lie. I have been dishonest. I've been a hypocrite. Uh, God, I've, I am a liar. Try dealing with that. But when you deal with that, and you have repentance, and you have confession, you can go to bed with a pure conscience. 